Like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk. Welcome to the latest edition of the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like or do or think about. Just not sports. On today's show, we will talk to longtime national sports broadcaster and fan favorite Kevin Harlan about being the voice of NBA. 2K, which names he slips into the games, and what players accost him in the tunnels beneath the stadium to complain they're not getting enough love from digital Kevin Harlan. We will also talk the NFL's version of Pimp My Ride, give you some distractions, and so much more. I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago, and with me this week is the entire Banana Boat crew of Just Not Sports. <laughs> I will start in Chicago, long time sports <laughs> PR rep who's logged time with the University of Colorado, the Green Bay Packers, and many global sports brands. It's Adam Willard. Adam, were you as scared as, as I was today when the, uh, the Chicago air show started blasting over buildings uh, with no warning? No, only because I saw that you had tweeted back at Sarah Spain, who expressed concern over the air and water show as you were headed to your early traditional 11 o'clock lunch. Yeah, which means I left the office at like 1047. Yeah, I remember uh, for those of our for those of our listeners who don't know, Brad and I used to work together and we had a habit of beating the crowd by being downstairs for lunch by 11 o'clock. You yeah, sometimes we're talk about that in wide open. Yeah, you, you sometimes run into breakfast, uh, breakfast people that are lingering. Uh, so you just it's it's a really narrow window, guys. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll break it all down. <laughs> also with us in a uh, in a mysterious uh, production location facility, wherever the hell you are in New York City. It is seven-time Emmy-winning sports producer Gareth Hughes. Gareth, how late are you going to be sitting in an edit bay drinking free seltzers? Uh, well, we wrapped the edit so I could go do this podcast. So oh. we we wrapped it up around nine Eastern. We had a good productive day. Today's one of those days in the edit room where I. Th- Turned to the editor and our PA at the end of the day. I was like, oh, I think finishing this project won't be miserable. Um, I think we needed today <laughs> to kind of get over the hump and hack away a lot of stuff and kind of luck into a whole segment. So that, that was the good news. It was all fueled by a late lunch, which I plan to discuss in wide open. What's the best free Ooh. food in the uh, in, in, that you get like in an edit bay? Like munchies. Brad's question of the week is one of my favorite parts of this podcast at this point, and one of the things I look forward to the most. Um, there's one place we worked that always had a jar of uh, individually wrapped Starburst. Well, it was like Starburst in two packs. And over the course of a project, I would open up the doubles and eat only the yellow and red. 
and I would just leave a pile of pink and orange for people. Wait, and, pink and, pink, pink and well, orange are the best flavor. Well, see, here's the thing. So it's not well. They were wrapped, Adam. So it's like there's two wrapped, and then they're wrapped oh. again. So it's not it's like the I was Halloween touching size. them. Yeah, exactly. It was a Halloween size, and the and it was certainly obnoxious behavior, but I think people tolerated it because they liked the pinks, and I didn't. So they're yeah, like, we'll allow this. <laughs> wow. Sh- a shocking revelation yeah. from Gareth Hughes. And uh, yeah, red and yellow are the best Starbursts. And making a red, yellow, red sandwich, that's the way to fly. Whoa. Yellow Starbursts are an abomination. I will not stand for this. They're necessary, right. though, well, to make you appreciate the other starbursts. Yeah, there is no good without evil, Brad. Come on, everybody knows uh, this. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, also with us, joining all the way from Seattle. Also on the topic of tearing down Confederate statues. Also with us, uh, the, uh, uh, also with us, joining from Seattle, you heard his triumphant return to the show last week. It's Mr. Joe Reed. Joe, you spent a lot of time at edits. What's, uh, what's your late night munchie? I feel like... <laughs> Our office is stocked with, they got these jars in the cafeteria, and there's always a different, a pretzel or a chocolate-covered something, and lately it's been goldfish, um, mm. which brings me back to, like, grade school days. So I'm just eating goldfish by the handful when I'm staying late. It's, <laughs> it is not good. I was but expecting old, old man Joe Reed to say butterscotch candies. Yeah, Werther's Originals. <laughs> butterscotch candies. Werther's Originals. Oh, my gosh. Remind me of uh, my childhood at, you know, Grandma Grandpa's house. Werther's are the Back best. Back in the 1940s? Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah, Joe's childhood eating Werther's Originals while he bit-torrented Seinfeld reruns. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know what? <laughs> it's great. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Well, right now on the open of the show, we're going to go ahead and make it wide open. Anything around the world of sports that's not technically sports is fair game. And guys, I'm going to start. I discovered a, you know, hey, look, sometimes you just got to admit when you're when, when you're not pulling your weight. And that was me this week as I discovered this show called Tackle My Ride on the NFL Network. And apparently it started and ran last football season. And I had no idea it existed. I, I caught a marathon of it on NFL Network, and I was like, what's going on? What is this? And it, it's essentially a remake of Pimp, Pimp My Ride, the MTV show from, oh, man, what years were those? Was Pimp My Ride um, like mid-2000s, early 2000s? Mid-2000s. Yeah, that's a, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Adam answered That's a glorious fast. relic of the aughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably watched the first... Uh, Four or five seasons in their entirety before I gave up on it. Yeah, I got tired I of too many. Show. I got tired of seeing too many fish tanks installed in cars, and just thought that these poor kids were being abused. Well, well, that's what I wanted to talk yeah. about because the NFL Network show is is very similar. So it's it's produced by Michael Strahan. It's hosted by Lamar Woodley. Um, you know, both popular players in their day, Super Bowl champions, and the idea is that they pair up with. This guy named James Torres from a, a a shop called Demented Customs, and they find the difference between this and Pimp My Ride is that instead of just finding people who have crappy cars, they go and find people who are like doing good in the community where the where like there's an NFL team, and then they they you know soup up their car to be all team colors and 
you know, team logos and they fix it up and then they have a, another player drive it up. So I caught an episode where it was the Browns and they found a guy who was, you know, he was like a youth coach in Cleveland doing a lot of good in the community and he had a bad van that he drove the kids around in. They, they, they made it, you know, orange and, 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 and brown and, and put a stripe on the hood and they had Joe Hayden drop it off. And the guy was really emotional and it was awesome. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. But like, come on, where is exhibit? Where are the fish tanks? Like the only customs in it were like, yep, we gave you new seats with the Browns logo on it. And I'm like, pimp my ride was like, here's your pancake batter mixer in the back that you can like plug into this other stuff. And then, then I remembered how I read this Huffington Post article about how none of that shit worked in Pimp My Ride at all. And like a bunch of people came forward oh, later yeah. and they were like, yeah, not only did they take away the fish tank because that was just for TV, but like the car didn't drive. It was all kind of fake. So guys, I'm at a real loss here. I, I want Tackle My Ride to come back and maybe be like a little bit more like edgy or outrageous. But I also want these actual good people who are not who rely on their cars to like do good to have functioning vehicles. So, I mean, Adam, like, what what's your verdict on this? Which way do you want us to go? Yeah, um, I, I understand that. The I would I'm a bit conflicted as well. While I would like to see the kids on Pimp My Ride have cars that they can actually drive um, and not like. Uh, um, a unicorn theme on the on the front. I also think with Tackle My Ride, once you get for, through 32 episodes, you're done. That's it. Show <laughs> over. Yeah, that's true. It's a limited run. I also like the Bengals. Okay, we will also give you a stripe theme. <laughs> yeah, I lived in Green Bay. There are 100,000 people in that town who would all would love Green Bay custom cars if they could have them. I just I, Oof, here's here's grim. my here's my quick fix on this. Just get exhibit. That guy's got nothing to do, right? There's a whole separate conversation to be had around that, Brad, which is the like, <laughs> you know, when no, it's just like rappers growing old is hard. A, a friend of a friend made a documentary called like Adult Rappers, and it was just sitting down with these guys who had made rap albums in their like late teens into mid twenties. And then they became like 35 and they're like, uh, I'm not really making any money off this. I've got all this street cred or whatever, but what do I do? And they have to like make a life. So like exhibits recording, but he could probably find some time to record or to tape 10 episodes of tackle my ride. He was the best part of that show. X to the Z was hysterical on that thing. God, he had charisma. Uh, Adam, what is, uh, what is your wide open? My wide open is player tattoos. So one of the uh, most viewed tweets in recent memory was a recent tweet I saw, and it was The Rock, also known as Dwayne Johnson, who got his famous Brahma Bowl tattoo. I'm sure you've, you saw it during his wrestling days. It was on his right arm. Uh, he got a cover-up, which covers his entire right arm from shoulder to elbow. And if you have a minute, uh, just Google rocks, new tattoo. Uh, it is a terrifying, almost three dimensional, like skull, um, which only the rock could pull off. And then also in tattoo related news in Los Angeles this week, there was a tattoo parlor 
um, offering Chargers fans uh, Chargers tattoos for the day from 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. So uh, my question is, if you had to pick a sports-related tattoo or a tattoo that best represents your on-the-field persona, what would that tattoo be? And Brad, I already have an answer for you. Oh, then by all means, <laughs> sir. Please. Brad, your tattoo is Shaquille O'Neal wearing a Just Not Sports t-shirt, Starburries, with a microphone in his left hand and a clipboard in his right hand. Let's go get it this weekend. It's not bad. Here's what I would do. I would get That's pretty both, good. That's pretty I would get good. both bare feet tattooed with actual starberries on it. So when I'm barefoot, it looks like I'm wearing them. <laughs> I would do the orange and the blue Knicks, the Knicks ones that are really shiny. I like it. <laughs> Gareth. That's Gareth, like look, look. that's like 30 hours under the needle. That's dedication. Hey, you know. Yeah, Joe, would you get Michigan? You went to you're you're a Wolverine, aren't you? I am. I don't think I would get a Michigan tattoo. Uh, yeah, that, that's a little. Uh, yeah, that's a little much. Maybe I don't know what my sports-related one would be. You have know. to get it on your hip. I know what mine would be. It would be the Tasmanian Devil holding a lacrosse stick. <laughs> really? Ooh. <laughs> no, that's a little late '90s humor in there. I thought so. you were gonna say like Tasmanian Devil, like from Space Jam. I was like, oh, I could do like the something from. I'm trying to think of sports movies that I would be a big fan of that I would get something from. No, Gareth. Um, Gareth, the worst sports tattoo is when people get like Yosemite Sam, but like he's he's in the colors of their school. And you're like, oh no! Right, right, right. That was, Adam, to your point, like that was our joke when we were in our early 20s, like just after college. We would always ask people we met, if you were forced to get one Looney Tunes tattoo, what would it be and why? <laughs> uh, oh, I might get like Porky Pig's face in in the circle, you know, like kind of a that's all, folks. Oh, yeah. A little logo. That's good. Oh, that's, that's got a good some image. taste to it. Yeah. 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 You might this have found reminds me of. This reminds me of the scene in Wayne's World where Garth, they're sitting on the hood of the car and Garth asks Wayne, he's like, did you ever, were you ever attracted to Bugs Bunny when she dressed, when he dressed up as a lady? And uh, I just, I just pictured like Gareth having a female Bugs Bunny tattoo on his lower back or something. It made me, made me laugh. I'm going to get a nude Elmer, Elmer Fudd on the inside of my thigh. <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be Yo, good. Yo, baby. You want to see Elmer? <laughs> oh, God. Does, this does is Jessica, going off the What rails. is Elmer? Oh, it's just my tattoo on the inside of my thigh. <laughs> does Jessica Rabbit count as Looney Tunes? Probably not, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. That's a, that's a different property. All right. That's hey, a lawsuit let, waiting let, to happen, Brad. Let's kick it west. Let's go Joe. Joe Reed. It's wide open. What do you want to talk about? Wide open. So I wanted to get your thoughts. The... I, the, the it's the time delay is gone now. It's like this has already been overly covered and people are done with it. But um, I'm curious to get the group's thoughts on the. I presume you all saw the ESPN two uh, fantasy auction clips. Um, for listeners who don't know, basically the only context I saw it in was ESPN's doing all sorts of fantasy football coverage and they're doing some like 24 hour draft broadcast and. 
they cut away from the studio to this clip of this, what's an auctioneer in front of a crowd of maybe 25, 30 people, mostly young, white sort of bros. And um, they're, they're conducting an actual auction. They're like holding up players and, you know, $1, $2, $5, $10 for their fantasy teams. Um, but the clips they showed, the two clips that I saw online were of two black players. And so ESPN received a little bit of, little bit of backlash from this coming out of the Charlottesville stuff this weekend. And uh, they issued sort of a pseudo apology. Like we understand that the optics of this, the optics of this don't look good (laughs) if you see it out of context. Um, And so I was curious to get your thoughts. I know that fantasy auctions are a thing and that people do pay money for players, but I think particularly with everything that happened this past weekend, there's got to be a producer at ESPN who says, hey, any representation that alludes to slavery, auctioning black men, like, let's just not cut to that right now. Let's um, table that. Let's just, yeah. I know so for, I know we bought the set, we've paid talent, but let's just bite the bullet and not even go there. You would think. Anyways, that's, I just found it fascinating. Um, yeah, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Yeah, first of all, obviously there is no malice intended, but I, I, I would say first and foremost, if you are, I don't want to speak for all of black America, but I think there's two problems here and they're both business issues. One is diversity in the workplace. I don't uh, mean to say that ESPN doesn't have diversity in the workplace, but I think diversity of thought and, and having someone who's willing to raise their hand and say, maybe this isn't a good idea is extremely yeah. important. And maybe that happened. Um, but then I think the other thing that happened is uh, over-programming. They, ESPN was very proud that they were doing 25 hours or whatever it was mm. of fantasy football content. And that's great to give your fans, but whenever you program something to that to that extent, you're bound to make a mistake. And I think that's what happened here. Again, no malice intended. There were white players mentioned in the, the auction as well. But yeah, the apology or lack thereof really bothered me as well, because while they um, pointed to a, a, re, a poor reaction based on lack of context, I think they needed to look at the context uh, in the news cycle that their feature was presented um, and clearly that didn't happen or it did happen and someone decided to pull the trigger anyways. Um, and it just came off poorly. I don't want to make too big a deal of it, but, um, yeah, it was offensive. Uh, any other year they may have gotten away with it, but certainly really poor timing and a poor choice on their part. The most profitable movie of this year is Get Out. And it's also one of the most popular movies of this year. And frankly, I can't believe that segment aired knowing that, like, it looked like one of the climactic scenes in Get Out. Like, it it honestly looks like they almost bought the same set, moved it from a pagoda on a grassy yard to, like, a concrete top. Um, that's where I just, Adam, to your point, I think, and this came up around the Kendall Jenner Pepsi ad. Like, it's like, this is why you have... Uh, diversity and plurality of voices as these things are getting pitched so that someone can raise, like, you're not blindsided by this stuff. Um, Yeah, and and I think all of us having been in creative in in that position before, 
It really sucks to be the bad guy. It sucks to raise your hand when someone is excited about a sketch or a, a creative idea in our respective yeah. workplaces and say, hey, have we considered the consequences of this? And maybe somebody at ESPN did do that, but uh, keep keep raising your hand. It, it, it sucks to be the, the naysayer, so to speak, but it is a necessary role in every organization. I, Adam, I think... I- I think the point you made about just over-programming is probably really apt. I mean, Jamel Hill, people were asking her about it in the moment, yep. and she's like, I walked into the office today pretty hot about it, and we were already having pretty productive discussions. But, you know, it's important to remember ESPN laid off something like like a 100-plus producers even before this last round of like talent layoffs. And so you've got a, a really depleted production organization compared to what it's been in recent years having to fill content on all these channels the thing that was struck that struck me about it was just that it looked cheap i was just like why is this on espn outside like this like why aren't they in a studio with like you know just like their on-air talent doing stuff and i wondered are we just gonna see stuff like this on on a you know w- with a leaner espn apparatus uh that just you know it, 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 again puts itself into a position to have an already really hot Twitter sphere, pick it apart because they're, you know, because media companies continue to downsize and, and lack that extra buffer. You nailed something, Brad. Like I've produced studio shows and, and the younger a producer, the more green they are, the worse those shows are going to be. And I just remember, and I think this is a, this is a crutch that a lot of younger and more inexperienced studio people make, which is, you depend more on the gag of a segment than like in the, the framing device than the actual meat of it in the conversation. And as people get older and become better producers, you find that the best shows are frankly finding good talent, picking good topics for them to talk about and getting out of the way. Like the best shows are largely conversational. Um, and I think that honestly, as they do, it's a it's a perfect storm of more programming and less experience that is going to lead. They don't all have to be controversial, but you're just you're give. There's more opportunities for failure, and there's more people there to make those mistakes. And I think you're 100 percent right in that. I think that it's funny when those kind of things happen, you go from thinking, I hope somebody's watching this 24 hours of coverage. And then you get that story. And then for the next day, it's like, I hope we could slide this under the radar and nobody talks about anything else we do for the rest of the week, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And just um, handle, we seem to have a problem with people not being able to, uh, people making horrendous mistakes and not being able to apologize for them. Um, I was more offended by this ESPN sketch than I was Bill Maher using the N-word because Bill Maher attempted comedy. It failed miserably. Um, and he came in and issued an, a genuine apology. And I was like, good enough for me. And it was done. That was one person uh, making a bad joke. Um, on the other hand, you have ESPN. Somebody had to write this and produce this. The, it, it, it aired 40 people uh, it, or whatever it, yeah, yeah it aired and then they issued a half-ass apology so you had a chance to correct the mistake and you made it worse by not really apologizing um yeah disappointing all right well 
close this out, Gareth. Wide open. What do you want to? What do you want to get into? Look, Brad, you've talked about it a lot. You just brought it up again. This is how it's going to start off. You pick you when we go political or controversial. You like to pick your topics carefully because you have you have a finely tuned sense of fatigue, and you're not afraid to say you're done with that. If it was up to me, this would become like some bad Trump show and we would talk about the national anthem and people sitting down <laughs> for it. And God bless Marshawn Lynch and Michael Bennett and go from there. But I, I understand that. So I want to talk about something that's really important to me, especially within the universe of Just Not Sports. What the hell are you guys doing eating lunch at 11 a.m.? I mean, my God, this is just, it is, I, I'm, I'm baffled by it. Now, first of all, let me just lay some of this out and then I'll, I'll, I'll cede the floor to you. So part of this is that New York City, in 538, one of their first articles was about this when they launched on ESPN. New York City is the latest workday start time of any city in America. So part of my confusion on this is looking at at the fact that I, I don't get to work till about 10 o'clock and Ortega's 10 to 6 instead of 9 to 5. So an 11 o'clock lunch is basically I roll in at 10, 15 of got to catch lunch and that's that just hit so subway, that's part of it. hit subway but, on the way in the door man that'd be perfect <laughs> <laughs> what what and like as i was getting lunch delivered between 2 30 and 3 this afternoon what drives you guys to go eat lunch early i mean look just on sports wouldn't exist without it because that's how brad and adam became friends but what is it that drives each of you to go eat lunch at that godforsaken hour well, I would argue I probably drove Adam to get lunch at that hour most days. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it started for me. But I will say I think it's a habit that's continued because um, I get in between 8.30 and 9. And by 11.30, I have responded to uh, approximately uh, 15,000 requests. And <laughs> I it's time to emotionally eat. So... Um, I will go downstairs and I will comfort myself with food. I will close the door to my office, cry for 11 to 12 minutes, um, and then get back to work and just try to pass the rest of the day. See, Don't you get oh, like man. super hungry at two, three in the afternoon and like yeah, eat an entire I, I keep... jar of almonds? Whoa, that's so weird. I was just literally Emotionally? going to say I keep, I keep a jar of almonds on my, in my desk. That's weird, but yes, that's they're the, what I well, do. they're the best snack. So yeah, yeah. Also, or or a cup of coffee with some MCT oil in it, because that'll keep you full for the rest of the day and awake. Hmm. All Joe, right, Joe. What time there do you go? Uh, I'm usually like a one to one thirty, or sort of. I'm I'm after the lunch hour. I'm not as extreme as Gareth, but yeah, like I'll get in at nine nine thirty. And uh, sometimes I'm eating breakfast at work. Like I'll save breakfast. You get in, you have your you have your snack bar, or your little uh, banana, and a cup of tea at your desk. So that kind of staves me off for uh, for a little while. I'm an I'm an early afternoon. Yeah, I mean I yeah, get up at like special. five. Here. I get up at five forty. I leave the house at six. By eleven o'clock, man, I feel like I've been at work the, like a whole day. So I'm just like ready to go. Ready wait, to you go. said you wait. Hold on, back back up. You get up at five forty and you're out the door by six. Yeah, that's Holy a tight routine, shit. man. I shower at work though. 
because I live an hour and 45 minutes away from the office. So like I will get up, get to the get to the train. I there's like a 620 train that I take and then I <laughs> I get into the office and then I shower and I work out or I if I don't have time, I just go right to the gym and shower. And that way I didn't have to get up at five. I get up at five forty. Oh, there you go. That's, that's pretty smart. I also, Gareth, I hate lines at lunch. I hate germs on a salad bar. It's like, I want to get in, take my time. I like, I like being done at noon with my lunch. And then, you know, then other people are piecing out for lunch and maybe I get another hour of quiet. That was wide open. Pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty wide and pretty open this week. Uh, if you got something you want to talk about next week, shoot us a note on, on Twitter at Just Not Sports. Right now, we're going to go to a really fun interview that we did with uh, longtime national sports broadcaster Kevin Harlan. You know him from the NFL. You know him from the NBA. And a lot of you know him from NBA 2K, the longtime video game franchise, beloved video game franchise. Uh, Kevin is is the voice. So we wanted to talk to him about the process of, of making the game, uh, about what's in store for the next you know edition as best we can. Uh, we want to talk to him about how he interacts with players, about their ratings, about the commentary in the game, and uh, just overall like what it's like to be the voice of something that... Uh, that uh, is, uh, in, in his own words, uh, it kind of exposes him and his brand to a whole different crop of young, uh, young NBA fans and young consumers. So it's a really fun conversation. Adam and 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 Kevin go way back to uh, their days, uh, you know, hanging around in Green Bay together. So there's some funny anecdotes there. So stick around. Uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. And afterwards, we will give you some distractions. Stick around. Very proud to welcome legendary real life and video game broadcaster Kevin Harlan to the show to talk about his work on the NBA 2K series. I had the chance to work with Kevin uh, in my previous life with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Kevin, before we get into NBA 2K talk, can you tell everyone about our little preseason tradition we used to have? Well, Adam, um, it's probably painful for you. I hate to say it, but we used to have an eat off where Adam, who's about six, how tall are you? Six, four, six, five, six, five. how tall? Six, yeah. five. And, uh, you were a strapping young lad and I am kind of an old <laughs> feeble broadcaster yet. It was somewhat embarrassing. I think for Adam to see that every meal, meal after meal, year after year, he would lose this, this bout of who ate the most at dinner that night. The nice thing about it is, Adam recalls, the Packers paid for the meal. Well, that was the nice thing. It was a free meal. Usually had a very nice steakhouse. But I don't, I don't recall ever losing, Kevin. That's a little revisionist history. Well, no. Well, you know, I tell you, I, you know, I'm a lot older than you. Uh, probably a lot smarter than you. Uh, <laughs> 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 now, uh, truth be told, Adam, uh, Adam could could put it away about as well as anybody. And um, I would sometimes have to drop my fork in awe about how much he was shoveling in. But that was a fun time. And working with Adam was a great experience with the Packers. And they hated to lose him, but he's off to bigger and better things. And at the time, I'm sure you'd say Adam was was, uh, 
in the National Football League always, you know, every, every step we take in life prepares you for the next step. And I'm sure that was a good step for you and one that uh, you've used as, as a new platform for what you're doing right now. So it's great to be on with you and talk about that. But that is, that is a very good memory. And those are some very good meals. Yeah, some fantastic meals. And my biggest memory is I would leave uncomfortable uh, and about to pass out. And Kevin would be having uh, his second cup of coffee and I think would go have <laughs> dessert afterwards. <laughs> the dessert was always something to look forward to. I guess what you young guys don't understand is you got to pace yourself sometimes. So I was just pacing myself. And you may have been like the, the guy that crossed the finish line first. And maybe in 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 totality of what you ate, there may have been a little bit more. But the endurance is what I like, and I, I thought I endured through the through the dessert sections of our meal. But it was a lot of nice people coming together. They were usually the, the broadcasters from the Packers preseason, the regular season radio broadcasters, the terrific media uh, office of the of the Packers would come out and and treat us uh, at the end of training camp, and uh, it was always a lot of fun. So we. Uh, we enjoyed uh, we enjoyed those times together. Yeah, it was a great time. Well, let's get into NBA 2K. So you started doing this game in 2006, so it's been a while now. How were you first approached with the opportunity to to be the play-by-play guy for NBA 2K? You know, Adam, I was thinking about that the other day, and I don't know that I can really uh, pinpoint the exact time. It, remember it now, going back to – to the you know the 2004 2005 2006 era, um, I had done some things for some other games, bits and pieces, uh, EA and, and some others, but uh, but just a very small sliver that the league had asked a lot of broadcasters to do. And um, I'm represented by a group out in New York. My agent said there's this there's this company that does it, and they would like to use you. And uh, I was at TNT at the time, so they were familiar with my work, I assume. I think the league has a say in this, so I'm not sure what then-Commissioner David Stern, uh, what his role was or his media department, his entertainment group had to say, but they had to sign off on it for sure. And um, uh, all I know is that in, uh, to make these yearly trips out to California to uh, – do the taping and look at the script and watch a lot of video. And um, it has advanced incredibly since then, just the technology. Um, but uh, back when I started, it was basically, there was one guy behind the glass who would, and me in front of the microphone on the other side of the glass and reading scripts and uh, occasionally with uh, some other people that were, uh, that were involved in the game and, uh, and away we went. But now it's uh, it's a much larger, detailed, much more thorough endeavor. What were those early days like? Was it hard to get comfortable with sitting in a room by yourself and reading play-by-play scripts? Well, it really wasn't. You know, um, uh, when I was a kid, I used to do imaginary um, broadcasts in my bedroom and uh, sometimes <laughs> in the bathroom because the <laughs> echo effect in a bathroom is so good and I didn't need any headsets and I would make up these imaginary games. And, um, so I had, uh, kind of weirdly done this in my past. And so when this kind of came up and they asked me what to do, it was really no different than reading a, a commercial, like reading a 30 second radio spot or voicing over a TV 
highlight or something like that. That's kind of what that process is all about. Much different now, but but then, um, you know, they were just kind of creeping their way through, and and the audio has always kind of basically been the same. I think it was pretty sparse where we would jump in or where the audio would be played within the game, uh, as opposed to now where the marriage of the video and, and all the, the characters and players and everything else they have match up so beautifully. They're so in sync. And But back then, it was still kind of new technology developing. In fact, the other day, I'm not sure where I saw this. I was looking, may have been on... Um, have been on Twitter. Somebody put up like with the 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, on and on, what these video games look like, and you almost can't believe your eyes. It almost looks like it's yes. a show, yeah. like 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 a like a four year old had just drawn these pictures, <laughs> and there they were. I mean, I mean the life, and that's the beauty of the game now, and probably where the biggest jump has taken place is that. The, the people that are designing the games and putting them together, the, the, the minds and the creativity is just so much different. The staffs are so much larger. And just like everything else in life, technology is advanced at the point, right? If you were walking in a, in a room and there was this, and our game was being played, I think you'd even have to hesitate a moment to see, is that a real game or is that a video game? It's so lifelike now. And that, that is the biggest change I notice. You know, you mentioned those early days and I think clearly the, the, the commentary has become a lot more, uh, you know, fluid, a lot more conversational and we can get into some of those changes, but I remember maybe five, six years ago, you doing an impression of video game, you during an actual NBA game, <laughs> it's still around hanging around the internet, but I think it's like Chris Paul hits a jumper and, and, and you kind of, you kind of go into to Kevin, the NBA 2K version. I mean, do you do you remember doing that? And and how conscious of you at the time were you that that fans were going to love it and 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 really respond? Well, I guess it's I you know I I, I didn't know the response. Um, I think I think that particular segment was with Steve Kerr when Steve was still with TNT and we were doing a game and and um, you know we would joke because we had done so many of these. Uh, 2K games together in the same studio, obviously, and watching the same video and everything else. It, uh, it was it was no different than what we were doing at that very moment, live at an NBA arena courtside. I <laughs> do remember that. You know where that kind of came from, to be quite honest, is when I was doing the Timberwolves back in the late 90s. And that time, NBA Entertainment would do like features on players and on teams and 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 what they would seek out then was more not original matched play-by-play -play from that very broadcast, although they sometimes would. But they would sometimes hijack other calls from other shots and take the audio and put it on top of that shot for their weekly uh -huh. NBA show. Uh -huh. And uh, that was, I'm going, I'm going back now, you know, 20 plus years. And it was for perhaps the announcer that was doing the game was not very excited. Maybe they had the opposing team's feed, so there wasn't a lot of emotion. So I remember the NBA calling, um, <laughs> and the Timberwolves were just god-awful. I mean, they were like unwatchable, <laughs> and they were unbroadcastable. But we were broadcasting these games. But they would say, could you give us like about four or five 
10 second um, uh, play by play hits that can come anytime in your game, but make them sound really exciting so that we can use them for, and plug them into like other highlights, like a Jordan or Tracy McGrady or, or Vince Carter or something like that. And I said, sure. So like we'd be getting our brains beat out by like 25 points late in the fourth quarter. And I would tell our Timberwolves radio audience and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to make the next couple baskets sound like bigger than life (laughs) (laughs) because the NBA is going to use some of this stuff for their audio. So, you know, it'd be like a Sam Mitchell driving layup that would make it a 24 point game, you know, and we'd be behind and, you know, the place is emptying out and I go, here comes Sam Mitchell once again, (laughs) down the lane and up for two. And they would take that down the lane and up for two, you know, and they would take that. And I would like hear it a couple weeks later with like a Jordan drive or a, or, you know, like some great play, you know, I just laugh because it had nothing to do with that game, but it was just the call that would enhance that. So, so anyway, anyway, going back to your original, I've kind of got off. No, I love it. Keep going. But the, um, but the, uh, uh, the thing that we did on TNT, yeah, sometimes I uh, like if I'm working with Chris Weber who's in the game and, and other people that are like Greg Anthony is in the game. Um, and, and Clark Kellogg, when we do CBS games together for college basketball, he'll always do that. Like he'll do, he'll just like in the middle of a game, uh, Hey, kind of sound like 2k there, didn't it, Kevin? I said, it sure did Clark. Very good point. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have fun with it. And I think people get it. I don't know. Maybe they don't. But uh, it's we it's, it's certainly a great inside joke that we laugh about even publicly. Uh, in ter- so I know NBA 2K specifically calls it dynamic play calling. So I know a lot of this probably you reading alone in a room, but now you are doing a lot more sessions with the other broadcasters you mentioned. What kind of hours are we talking about here? Well, um, we're we're in the all in the same studio a lot actually. Um, not necessarily the, the studio guys, Ernie and Shaq, um, because they're studio, but, um, uh, I'm in with uh, Brent and Doris and Greg, and, uh, uh, we have, um, we have a lot of, uh, you know, the vast majority is that is with, with, with them watching video, uh, they'll get video clips up and we'll do that. Um, we'll, we'll get a topic and they may put a topic out for us, like, uh, uh, leaving college early, uh, you know, one and done. And, uh, you know, and we kind of get into that topic and things that would be maybe the natural course of a, of a real broadcast. It really does, to be quite honest, it does feel like a real broadcast the way they've got it set up and the, and everything else, the studio, the only difference is we're not in an arena, but I'm with that person by my side, sometimes a couple and we're sitting there and we're laughing and we're telling stories and visiting and it, it's, it's terrific. It, it's been a lot of fun. And, and, um, early on there was a little bit of that, but I think the thing that has now become kind of the, the trademark of what 2k and visual concepts has done is, um, is they've made it, I mean, just as, as lifelike as possible, not only with the, animation but with the 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 commentary and we're there together we are in the studio as if we're doing a game and the the, you know the weird thing about this is right now there are major sports networks that will go unnamed in this country that are instead of sending their broadcasters to do college games they are in the studio at the home of this network doing the game in a studio and they're watching the monitor 
and and all they've got at that game are just the cameras. But there is no announcer. There is no production crew. They're doing that game. They call it a Remy, which is a remote something uh, broadcasting, but a remote a Remy. And and they are in a uh, so sometimes when you're watching these soccer games and they've got American announcers on there, they're in a studio in New York or in in Connecticut or wherever, and they're doing a game from the studio. So it, it's not a lot different doing the game and 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 then and then doing what what they're doing in real life. Are you so? Is there anything on screen? Are you actually calling the video game in front of you? Or are you just reading lines? No, we're we're doing uh, we're watching video. We're doing a lot of it off the cuff. Um, um, there is a lot of of just a banter. They'll let the tapes roll, and we will just talk about a variety of subjects. And then, and then focus back on the game and do a couple plays and get back on some subjects, if, you know. And and uh, so there's 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 no there's a lot of it's 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 about as real life as you can possibly make it without actually in an arena, to be quite honest. And so I had never heard Doris Burke do color commentary until the game, actually, and she was fantastic. This was the first time you worked with her, correct? Did a little bit with her last year, and she was sideline. Maybe even the year before. I'm not. I'm not certain. Yeah, she was the sideline reporter in 2000 NBA 2K uh, 16, and then last year I think was the first time she was ever featured as a color commentator. Yeah, and she is again this year. I don't think I'm breaking any trade secrets, but she definitely is <laughs> this year because we had a lot of hours together. So great. Um, yeah, yeah. She's. Uh, I would agree with your assessment. She is a brilliant and works so hard and has kept a, 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 a pretty normal life with her uh, ESPN schedule and all of her NBA work and, and what she has done, uh, you know, with, with the other levels of basketball, WNBA and some college stuff. Uh, you know, she's got two grown kids. I think they're both on the East coast and spends a lot of time with them. And, um, but as a hard, diligent worker and so fun to be with such a professional in fact, I've got a daughter in broadcasting, and I tell her, I said, if you want to emulate anybody right now, emulate Doris Burke, because I just think with her delivery, her knowledge, uh, the perspective she has, the, the uh, on just so many different ways to handle this business for a female, for a woman, are empowering. And with my daughter being so young, yet at a pretty substantial position with ESPN, I, uh, I've said Doris Burke is, is, is uh, her and Michelle Tafoya actually are the two. Tracy Wolfson a little bit at CBS, who she's gotten to know through the SEC. But uh, I, I use Doris as an example to my daughter all the time because I respect her so much. How much do you, have you played the game? And is you, playing, you, is you playing a video game where you're announcing a little like wearing the, the T-shirt of the band to the concert? Uh, like you know what I mean? <laughs> well, um, I have never played the game. Oh, never really? In fact, I have seen very, very little. We've got our the youngest of our four. He's now in college, um, but but he played a lot when he was younger. But he would purposely turn down the sound because I get too much of my dad. He would say just around the house. Let alone <laughs> now, I got to hear him in the game when I want to kind of you know, kind of mellow out a little bit here and have some fun. So, so even he would turn down the volume and I would only catch it just in snippets. 
couple times I've sat down and watched him play uh, through the years, and um, I, I'm, I'm so amazed at what is going on and know what's going on. I'm, I'm very aware of what is happening technology-wise, editing-wise, content-wise, editorially, but I've, I've not really sat down, and I wouldn't know how to play the game, first of all, with, with, the, with the gizmo. And, um, <laughs> but what is weird is I've had, you, I cannot tell you the number of people that I come in contact, dads and moms that will say kind of just out of the blue, gosh, we hear your voice all the time in our house. They go, <laughs> well, 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 that's nice to say Thank You know, I think they've watched the CBS or a TNT game. Go, no, 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 no. With the 2K game, my son and daughter play this 2K game. All, like all we do is hear you screaming in the basement or, or saying stuff about players. And, and I just sit and laugh and I just, um, um, which is kind of weird, but I've never, I've never, I, I, I don't, I hope I'm not hurting anyone's feelings. I've never played the game. I've watched it only sporadically and only when my son is playing. And, and that really is the extent of it. I hate to say it. Um, I, I probably should play it so I could say, Hey, you know, I was playing this the other day, guys. And I think I've got an idea about what we can do to make this better. Or maybe I should lay out more or do more of this or less of that or whatever. But, but I, I've not done it, and I guess I kind of feel like, like, um, like if, 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 like I haven't screwed it up, and they would tell me if I were, so they would <laughs> knock me off it. So, so I guess I haven't, uh, I haven't uh, taken that next step, which I probably, I probably should do just to see what it's like to play it. Well, Kevin, <laughs> me as a thirty-seven-year-old, thirty-seven-year-old uh, man, I still do buy the game every year, and I happen to have an extra controller, so I think. The next time in your next time you're in Chicago, we should uh, convince our respective employers to pay for a heavy meal, and then yeah. we'll we'll sit around and play 2K for uh, a few hours, just so you can say can that you you've done me, it. Adam, will you will you be able to teach me what what to do? Will I pick it up pretty quickly? I, I mean, I'd be happy to. I play on rookie mode, but I still uh, am a dedicated player. I, I went I went through three seasons of this last year's game, so I'm looking forward to the new one. The big request is to have me say uh, friends' names um, for the game. But what I tell them is to say, you know, we've said almost every name, front and back. You know, um, certainly I've said, uh, uh, you know, with, with all the players and now all the foreign players that have come. I mean, there probably isn't, there probably aren't many names that I have said, plus names that are just maybe not, not you know, names that are just like everyday names. Right. Um, uh, what I've not done is I've not said like uh, uh, Willard, or I've not, I've not, I, but I put the last name. If they're not a player, if they're not a player in the league or have been a player in the in the past, um, then I will. I'll say, hey, can I throw in this name for a buddy? And we may have a player like this in the years, and you'll have some, you'll have some tape on them. And so then I'll kind of just rift off and just say. Uh, here comes Willard down the lane. Here's a nice shot outside by Willard from the baseline. Oh, he's covered in the ball. Willard with the steal and Eric, you know, I mean, I, I, I could, I could do stuff like that and have, but I've said so many last names that you could pretty much put any first with last name. And I have probably said it over the last, you know, 10 years or whatever. And it, it, it would be on the memory of that thing. And then you could have your name in the game, but I don't know that I've had, I don't know that we've had an NBA player with your last name. So maybe that's something I should do for next year. Uh, yeah, are you done recording this year? Because that was on my list of questions. How do I get into the game? 
Yeah, I'm finished. They, they've got a deadline of about July 20th, uh, July 22nd. They want to have pretty much everything put to bed. There are a couple of surprises, I will tell you, this year. I, I mean, I, 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 I can't tell you what they are, but there are two. And if they're anything like I experienced in doing what I did with this, it's going to be really, really cool. And it has spawned now the next level of where they're going to take the game in terms of new content, uh, new angles, uh, things like that, which I think, uh, you know, players like you will, will enjoy and, um, and appreciate because it will. And the other thing too, about doing these games is um, I keep a notepad by me when I'm, when I, when we're taping because Brent Berry or Greg or Clark or, or, um, or uh, Steve Smith or Chris Doris, um, they, they say stuff that I keep, that I use in real broadcasts that, that I think are like, so it's not just like, like stuff coming out that is, you know, predestined to be down this road. They say whatever they're going to say. And there's just a topic that's thrown out and we go at it. And, and mix it with the game that we're calling and seeing on the screen. And um, they say some real good thought provoking stuff. So what I think I like is it's so authentic. Like it's not mm-hmm. like fake stuff, unless we got like the, my player or the, uh, like they invent that guy, you know, the, the like the, they, they, they come up with like this character that is like a, a the my career uh, mode. Yeah. 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 They, they bring out like a, like a fictional, college player who now plays and and we we will say stuff about him that is you know say hey make make it sound like he's uh coming for a big defensive play and then finishes at the other end after the steal and 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 and, and, uh, so we'll do that but when they're talking about like uh, jordan's career or kobe's career or Shaq or or current players you know uh, lebron or or kd or whoever I mean, these are like the real thoughts. I mean, like they're not putting words or thoughts in their head. They're just saying, talk about Durant when he has to defend the pick and roll. And so we'll get like into this long thing about uh, KD defending the pick and roll and how he plays it differently. And he'll shade this way and he'll angle his body that way. And he'll have one step this way or one step ahead or back or whatever, whatever it is that they see. So like there's some great stuff that I take notes of that I have kept over the years that I use in these real broadcasts that if I'm working with them, I can bring it up or that I can just even draw it there myself is just an observation for whoever I'm working with to, to, uh, to talk about. That's pretty, that's I think that's what is interesting as a player to watch the game and you see someone make a pick and roll and, and the game intuitively goes into that conversation. Uh, it really is a different experience than, what we were, we all grew up with playing Madden, which you'd have some of Madden trademark calls, but none of the true game analysis. And and you're right. It is just like watching a real game. Um, you are known to have a lot of famous calls in real life. Do you come up with specific calls for 2K on your own? Or are those all given to you? Do you have a favorite 2K call? No, they'll, um, uh, just like the, when I'm doing them in real life, but there's nothing planned or written out. It just kind of comes out, you know, like when I was playing high school ball or intramural ball or whatever, um, uh, with my buddies and screwing around, you know, a lot of the, a lot of, a lot of those things I came up with uh, were things that like we would say, 
when we were screwing around like at recess or at, or uh, you know at uh, intramural ball in, in college or whatever, um, you know how guys out there talking trash and saying stuff and um, so a lot of that is all things that maybe I've either personally heard uh, and then we'll use again, but just kind of comes up naturally. Like I don't on my spotting boards, my notes, I don't put like use um, um, whatever. Um, and that's the way the game is too. I don't, I don't do that. Now they will have for like these, my player things, these fictional guys that they have in there, they may have um, like a, an emphasis and, and say, Hey, can you make it sound like he's just like slammed over, over LeBron or something? And, um, and, 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 you know, and then, and then I may have to think about, okay, what would I say? Well, I don't know what I'd say. I would just react. So that's what I do. I, I, I don't, I don't, they may plant the, the play before it happens. Whereas in the, you know, when I'm really doing a game, you know, there's, it's, it's happening as it, as it happens. But in this thing they're they're giving me okay, a little heads up and saying, here, here's what's going to happen. And, and just come up because there's no fictional player to watch. Right. I've got to kind of come up with this in my mind. So, but, but even then I kind of, I kind of close my eyes and I think about, all right, if I watch LeBron descending on a baseline, this fictional guy takes off, you know, 10 feet away and extends the arm and goes over LeBron or, or pump fakes and drives and then knees LeBron in the chin as he goes up. Cause he's got, you know, I, I kind of envision that in my mind and then, and then, and then do it. But I don't really think about, the phrases and, and if they come out a lot of them aren't used in the game and um which is fine i i you know because i i that would look like it were planned and nothing is planned it just kind of comes out and that's the way i kind of like to keep it so kevin um john wall's making a lot of news complaining about his rating in the game um and i know that <laughs> athletes have a lot to say about how they're portrayed in video games i'm you know i'm just curious whether you've ever been approached by someone in the NBA who has commented on maybe the way they're portrayed in the game to you as though you're the guy that's going to like fix this, or do they ever lobby for you to give them some special love with a certain call or anything like that? And yes, we do expect you to name some names, my friend. Yeah. Um, um, the college kids, um, mention it most because when they see us doing the tournament or whatever, they come over and they don't really say anything. They just kind of come over to sh- and they just start smiling and they just kind of shake your hand and they really don't say anything. But I know what they're, I know what they're thinking. They're thinking <laughs> I, I know that they've played the game and they know that, you know, if they're a good player that they're going to be in the game. Um, um, so uh, the college kids recognize it more and the NBA players, We'll do it when we're walking down the hall. Not necessarily when I'm not, when I'm on court. They've got their, you know, they're trying to put on a tough guy look and, you know, getting ready for the game and 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 we our eyes may catch and I'll nod like that and I'll nod and they may kind of smirk a little bit. I know what they're. I know they're. It's because of maybe what we've done in the game to them or something like that. It's not what what we're seeing on TNT. It's it's um, it's that. So so that. Um, but no, I, I can't. I can't. I'm trying to think if, if anyone's ever come over. Like, um, um, was it Stanley Johnson? Maybe the Arizona kid who played it one the one year he came over. We had the regional finals in Los Angeles for CBS, and um, he came over and and said, "Hey, you gonna put me in the game this year?" 
I said, well, it depends. You're a freshman. Are you gonna, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't want to know if you're going pro, but if you go pro, we will. But if not, we'll, we'll wait until you go pro. And he goes, oh, you, you just watch. He kind of winks and walks away. But nothing more than that. And, and no, I've never really had. Now, maybe I should look at scowls they give me and think, okay, maybe I, maybe I screwed him in the game. Maybe I said something <laughs> that was like, that was like that. You know, I never, I don't, I guess they don't think that deeply about it. I, I, and I guess I don't really realize how many people play. You know, the game is second now among sports, all sports games in back of FIFA, um, which is such a worldwide brand, but it surpassed Madden, and it is just in back of FIFA, and they're confident they're going to surpass FIFA too. So uh, in the video game, in the video game realm, so they they feel pretty confident about that. So it, it's and it's been interesting too. I have been told that other games now have really been looking at the integrity of this game and what they do and, and transplant. Like I think the Madden folks have used it. I think, I think all, I think these other games have studied, you know, as much as they can, what 2k is doing and that, that intelligence, that technology, that whatever that, 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 that brainware that they use in, in California, the various sites, they put the game together is highly guarded contracts are signed no disclosure i mean it's it's it, it's i guess i didn't realize it was this big a deal but but it is and i've got such a small part in it but it's fun to hear some stories and know that the you know that the uh, the the corporate knowledge so to speak is is pretty valued and they don't like people leaving and sharing what goes on and and that but the players um they probably you know if 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 John Wall is upset with what's being said. I know Lonzo Ball didn't like the fact one of his teammates was being dunked on in a picture or an animation that he saw. Um, I, you know, I, I guess it's resonating then that, that uh, you know, because they've got NBA people that are, are like so much more rabid than I am and are studying stats and analytics. And, and, and when you see the graphics they put up there and, how John Wall may or may not be portrayed, what set or numbers that are associated with him on screen. I mean, that is that's real life. That's well thought out, highly studied and and dug into information. I mean, they they go into it deep, like much deeper than I would for a broadcast. They are they are junkies and they are going deep into the stuff and and doing all the due diligence they feel they need to. When am I going to have an unlockable Kevin Harlan? Kevin Harlan calling a Kevin Harlan game. When is that going to happen? Well, first of all, that would probably violate about 55 FCC rules and regulations. So it probably, there's, there seems to be something very weird about that. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. They've never asked me to do anything like that. And, and um, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm never going to, I'm never going to be able to play as Kevin Harlan. Well, you know, unless you say, here comes, here comes, uh, here comes that dopey broadcaster, Kevin. Oh, and he trips over his feet again and, and coughs up the ball. And there we go the other way and a jam by Carmelo. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, we went, uh, I did do the, uh, uh, I was out in California doing a segment. Um, and they put me in this trailer where, uh, they had, was it 300 or 400 cameras all positioned in a certain way. And 
they will have my caricature, not in this year's game, but I think beginning next year. That's the next thing they're doing is they're trying to get the commentators, I think, on screen more. Um, oh, great. I, I believe that's what they're they're trying to do. And I stood in this deal, and they had me say weird words and make weird <laughs> facial expressions, which, <laughs> which they can. I guess then uh, it, it covers, like, all ranger, ranges of face movement, and they can, um, you know, make it lifelike so that when – we go nuts on the sideline at the broadcast table for a dunk by whoever um, you would see our expression and, and it would be lifelike. So I just did that this past June out in um, Newport beach. And that was, uh, that was fun. That was fun to do. So I'll have to see how that looks. Hopefully they'll make me look better with more hair. And that, that would be, that would be a welcome sight. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, the game comes out on September 18th. I think, there's even a preview a few days before, so you know I will be on it, and I will let you know. I will give you, uh, I will give you very thorough analysis on this year's game, and I would like to see Willard make it into next year's game. We're, we're taping right now. Could could we could we ask you to give Adam like a like a, a dunk highlight in in, in three seconds? Well, yeah, yeah I, I can do any of that stuff. Here comes Willard. Got the feed from the wing to the lane to the rack, and he slams it down. The Lord is on fire. <laughs> oh, I love that. That might have just made my week. Yeah, I just I got a single tear just went down my face. That's that's the voice <laughs> of a man who made a lot of garbage time highlights for the Timberwolves sound like they were Michael <laughs> Jordan plays. So speaking of which, Kevin, before we before I let you go, I have to say this, and I think I told you this in person, but I'd like our audience to hear as well. I remember being a teenager watching the NBA action show, which is a weekly highlight show that was on various regional networks. And I remember hearing the voice of this guy doing Timberwolf highlights. And I thought, wow, like this is what sports is all about. I want to someday work in sports. I thought it would be as a broadcaster. I ended up as a lowly PR guy, but hey, I'm still here. So I just want to thank you, Kevin. Uh, Without you, I don't think I'd work in sports today. So thanks for the inspiration, uh, and, and thanks for all the great years of working together as well. Well, you are so nice to say that. Thank you. I, I think you had passed along that story years and years ago, and I told you, well, you shouldn't have gotten out of broadcasting. You've got a great voice. You should get into it. Um, but you're very kind to say that, and um, it means a lot that uh, coming from you, a guy that has done so much already in your career, um, I've, I've signed a lot of these games uh, as I'm leaving a TNT broadcast. I'm walking out of the arena, uh, and 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 uh, one, one time a producer, my, my, I'll leave you with this. One time a producer, when he knew I was doing this, said, "You know what you're doing? You're you're like perpetuating your your. I, I don't know if he used the word brand, but that's what he meant. And I said, "Well, what do you mean?" He goes. He said, just think of all these kids that are like seven, eight, nine, ten that begin playing this game that then, you know, from that they'll play it in grade school, they'll play it in high school, they'll play it again in college. And the only voice that will be associated with that is is yours. And I said, Well, that's then by just dumb luck and and, and sheer uh, blessing because it, I did not go into it for that. Um, I went into it just as kind of a a way to make a couple extra bucks and be kind of a part of the thing that the league was interested in me being a part of. And it's kind of grown into this, this, this game that, that 
you know, millions and millions and millions of kids play all over the world. And um, we're now doing games that, um, you know, it's been like, what, 10, 11 years that I've been doing it. And now the kids that started playing like when they were 10 are, you know, like in their 20s. Or Adam, in your case, you know, playing still as still a young adult, but still playing and still very much, you know, connected with the NBA. And that's great. Now, to me, the everlasting voice of the league, uh, video game or not, will be Marv Albert. I mean, Marv is the boy. He's like been Scully in baseball. There's only one Scully and there's only one Marv, and he will always be the voice. And I'll never get to that level. I'll never have a chance to do an NBA Finals because of the way the networks are aligned, and they've got a great voice now in Mike Green, and and that will never happen for me. But um, it, it is kind of nice knowing that, you know, I've been a part in a very small part of something so much bigger and I guess enjoyable for so many that that is, is such great satisfaction. I mean, I've actually seen my son playing it, um, his buddies play it. And that, that has really been kind of the true reward is just kind of being a part of, of something bigger, which we all want to do in whatever we do in life. If you can be a, a contributing part of something bigger than you and, and a sport you love. And I love the NBA and I love the league and it's so hot right now. And, it, it, it just, it just it, people talk about it every day, even when they're in the off season really is fun. And, and doing things like this with two guys like you who love sports and love basketball. And, and, and that, that's fun to do. I mean, this is, this would never happen if I weren't doing the games. Next time you're doing good. Next time you're doing the bears game, I expect you to come over and we're going to get down with some 2k. Well, we'll, we'll eat like Kings and play the game. You can teach me how to play it. I'd look forward to that. You got it. And we are back in the sports world. We always like to say that, that when athletes and media and coaches are doing cool stuff on the side, when they got a little side hustle, that they're being a, a distraction to the team. But that's bogus. Life is just work and the things that distract us from work. So right now, we're going to tell you what has been distracting us of late. Gentlemen, I'm going to go first. Um, when my baby was born... Back in the winter, it was hitting a time when Inception was playing on a a particular cable channel quite a bit. And I I must have watched Inception like just up with her in the middle of the night, probably like four or five times during those those few months, just because I think the movie's I think the movie's good. And then this week I listened to a podcast called uh, Blank Check with Griffin and David. It's these two guys who kind of work in and around the film industry and they talk about movies. It's a it's a long show. They they do like two, two and a half hour podcasts that kind of break down all the angles of, of uh, a director's filmography and they'll do whole series. So the, the premise is, you know, when a director has a huge hit, they, they get a blank check. So we're going to go look and see what they did with it. So they're doing Christopher Nolan right now because Dunkirk just came out and they've done all of his Batmans and, and Memento and they, they did Inception. What was really funny was as they're doing it, they started to fall into like podcasts within podcasts. And I thought that was really clever. So like they're just talking about the movie and then they, then they just drop into like another level and they start talking about like Leonardo DiCaprio and the Pussy Posse. And then they drop another level. They start talking about the films of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And I thought it was really funny. It's really entertaining. And I will I want to ask you guys real quick. I think Inception takes some extra heat that it doesn't deserve. Like I know that people criticize it for 
being extra uh, exposition heavy and, and lots of talk about the rules. But these guys brought up a good point. They're like, if if they didn't spend those first 45 minutes like really laying out all the particulars, that last hour, you're going to stare at it and be like, what what the hell is going on? So he's like, they're just, they're just giving yep. you all you need to know so that you can just sit back and watch the really masterful editing that just ties that freaking movie together. Right? Uh, I think so, yeah. I, I I think it's a good movie. I think the the way that it's edited is unbelievable. I think the set pieces around the hotel and the falling van and like the twirling box room is crazy and good. I do think, and I'm gonna steal this line from some un some long forgotten critic, the G.I. Joe Snow Fortress at the base of the well on all these dreams leaves a lot to be desired. But, I would agree with that. Um, good movie, not great. Bears. I don't are, remember look, it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference between um, good filmmaking and escapism. And um, sure, thought-provoking movies are important, and we get why they're made. But something like there's a reason that there are eight Fast and Furious movies because. It's pure, good, fun escapism. We think a lot during the day, and that's a time you can kind of just turn your your brain off and not have to be touched or uh, with. I mean, you watch the news; it's time to turn to something fun. Not have to be touched, Adam. That I, thing is a is an, an important uh, dramatization of family. Number one, <laughs> and number two, uh, it thought not thought provoking. How does Vin Diesel drink Coronas like that? All right, hey, real quick, uh, real quick on the way out, Joe. <laughs> the ending of Inception is he still in a dream or not? Uh, no, I think he's out. He's in a I'm dream, with Joe. He's I'm in an a optimist. Dream. He's not. He's not in a dream, man. He's not in a dream. The point was not for him to get dream. fully out. The point was for him to get up another level and 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 admit that his reality. He was he was sunk in a reality he thought was real, but it was not. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, uh, I agree with Brad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it says Adam, who doesn't yes. remember the movie? Gareth, uh, what what's just? I remember the end. <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about some middle brow entertainment that I'm really into. It's great escapism. And as soon as I'm done recording this podcast, I'm going to take a cab home and watch one episode before bed. And that is the FX show Legion. Uh, it is made by Noah Hawley. He did uh, the Fargo series for FX as well. Um, it is, as my wife put it, we started to watch American Gods. Not that I read the book, but just because... It was supposed to be good. And three episodes into American Gods, she was like, can I keep watching this? I was like, oh, yeah, I just watch it to see if there's any cool camera tricks I want to steal sometime. I'm, I'm I, This show is incomprehensible to me, and I don't care. Um, <laughs> Legion was not that. As she put as my, as Amy put it, Legion is what I wanted American Gods to be. It is weird. It is visually cool. Um, the way it's told is paced really, really interestingly. Uh, so if you're looking for some summer escape is fun that 
is not out to change the world, but just make help you forget about life for a while, as Billy Joel might sing, Legion is worth checking out. Nice. All right. Awesome. Joe, Joe, what's distracting you in Seattle, buddy? So mine's another TV show. Sorry, gang. Um, but I recently started, uh, I was out of town last weekend, and I decided to watch an episode of Ozark on Netflix. Have you guys heard of or yes. seen the show? Yes, sir. Adam has. So I'm, I think I'm four episodes in. Basic premise is... Uh, it stars Jason Bateman and he is, um, sort of a financial investor and you find out very quickly in the first episode that, uh, he is, he has been involved in a, in a laundering scheme with a Mexican cartel. Things kind of go wrong very quickly and he's forced to prove himself to this, this drug Lord by laundering like what is an insane amount of money. I, I forget the number, but so he, he has to uproot his family. He's a, sort of on the run from the FBI, and they go down to the Ozarks in Missouri, and he basically has to figure out you know, how to keep his family afloat, how to sort of uh, stay off the, the government's radar, and how to launder something like you know, $8 million in a few months and then so many over the next few years. It's very, very... It's an interesting show. I feel like I know Jason Bateman from his Arrested Development days, um, but he's he's very good in the show. Teen Wolf Two, it's Joe. Very Teen tense. Wolf Two. Sorry, I forgot about Teen Wolf Two. Is he is he Michael J. Fox's cousin in that one, or how is what's yeah, the relationship? I believe he's. I believe, I believe he's, he's a cousin. cousin. Yeah, he's a boxer. All right, um, <laughs> but it's um, it's very stylized. It's very. Th- it's very thrilling. It has lighthearted moments, um, but it's not afraid to move. It, I feel like it, it, it's moving along at a good clip, at least four episodes in. Um, yeah, it's sort of in the realm of like Breaking Bad. Yes, um, good, good comparison. Sort of, I don't know, a little bit more like thriller than Breaking Bad is. I don't know. I, it's very good. It's captivated me so far. I'll finish the first season. I heard it just got renewed. Adam, yeah, I knocked like out the whole season this past it. weekend when my mom was visiting. So excellent. Oh shit. All right. Well then I got a few more episodes to look forward to. Great. Awesome. Adam. Adam, what's That's what I your, got? What what's on your mind? So I actually think we're in a great age of journalism. Um, you could argue that TV journalism is is at its all time worst, but in general we um we, journalism is getting better. I think people are seeking more credible sources of information. Um, I noticed the other day that that readership of daily newspapers, uh, especially in major markets, is way up again. And then there's the coverage of the McGregor-Mayweather fight. Oh, dear that is God. perhaps some of the worst journalism I've ever seen by people who know nothing about MMA. The worst offender of all, Skip Bayless, who I think makes $5 million a year at Fox. He's an easy guy to take shots at, but he, because Fox has the UFC contract, he and Shannon Sharp are required to talk about it. And I wish they would spend any time as journalists researching um, or watching fights Skip Bayless referred to um, a jujitsu between Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor as sumo-style wrestling. 
Um, it was the latest in a streak of uh, cringeworthy MMA coverage on their part. And then you have guys, even though I respect like Max Kellerman, um, who is so heavily biased towards boxing that there is uh, no impartiality at all. I just would like MMA to finally match? be treated as a serious sport. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much. <laughs> you notice. Match. You notice I never talk about baseball in the show because I really don't know much about it. I feel like if you're going to cover a sport, though, take the time and be a responsible journalist. So this is a a shout out to Skip Bayless to say, sit down and watch a couple of fights. There's plenty of people around who will teach you about uh, UFC and MMA as a sport. But, man, it's gotten really embarrassing. Well, dude, Mike Trout's not going to box somebody. <laughs> then you you talk about baseball and you'd be like, why is a baseball player going to get his face beaten in by a boxer? <laughs> like, I, Adam, I love the point you're making, but I feel like the Mayweather-McGregor fight, which is just like a shit show circus of the highest proportion, I'm like, uh, I... <laughs> I love that. Are you going to watch it? Are you excited? Are you excited for the fight? fight from a boxing perspective? Yeah, because they're going to box, and Floyd Mayweather is going to stand there while Conor McGregor tries to learn how to box. <laughs> yeah, but so I think. Are you going to watch think, it? In all seriousness, the comparisons between the two sports are what people are getting into a lot. Sure, it is a boxing match, but the lack of knowledge about the MMA world, an example, then then speak about it as a boxing match. But um, people trying to compare boxing to MMA and not knowing anything about MMA is kind of ridiculous. Hey, Adam, I have a I have a good idea for this. Since this thing is all hype anyway, they should have made it yeah. winner, winner take all. Like you don't you only get it if you knock the other guy out. Because Floyd, Shit. the worst part about this, if it was just going to be like, how bad will McGregor get beat? Can he can he survive? You know, whatever. I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, that's interesting. He's like trying it and he's going to like put his health at risk, like going for it. But in, in, Floyd's just going to stand there and like, look at the crowd. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Like, that's what sucks about this. It's, there's, it's all hype for something we know is going to be boring. Yeah, Floyd is a counterpuncher. He always has been. He he is the greatest defensive fighter of all time. So he's going to let McGregor punch himself out because even in a five-round fight in uh, the UFC, McGregor has shown some problems with his cardio. Uh, <laughs> so Mayweather is just going to uh, Mayweather is going to wear him out. Um, there will be no knockout. It may go the distance, but it will be an ugly, ugly fight. Let's end with some shout outs. I want to shout out our amazing guest. Great interview. Great conversation. I want to shout out uh, my poor wife and daughter, Charlie, who are sick again. It's going to be another long week in the Burke house. Uh, Gareth, Joe, any shout outs from you guys? Yeah, I'm going to shout me out. Uh, as of today, I haven't had a drink in two years. So, Hey, hey congratulations, congratulations, man. man. Good job, Gareth. Uh, and I'm pretty happy about that. So that one's for me. I'm going to go home and have a seltzer and watch Legion. Nice. Well, congratulations. That's great. Joe, any shout outs? Congrats, man. Uh, shout out to my current fiance, Alina, soon to be wife. I don't know what our schedule is like in the next uh, few days as far as taping goes. So the next time you hear from me, I may 
be a married man, and I am very excited. So shout you out may to be uh, a married man. What well, I might on? talk to you next. I might talk to you next week, and it, I could maybe we could squeak a taping in before the wedding. I don't know, but what I'm are saying you fi- is, are you fighting Floyd Mayweather, and you may not make it? <laughs> shout out to my future wife, Alina. I'm excited to get married. So sweet. Thanks. Um, I want to shout out a guy we talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, and there's been a recent development. So Stefan Marbury and the Starbury brand will now be distributed in the U.S. at a department store called City Trends. So similar to a Stephen Berry's, it's kind of um, budget gear. There are 500 locations in the U.S. So congratulations to Stefan and the Starbury brand. You will be once again be uh seen in stores in the u.s and we couldn't and as usual nice. and not soon enough adam any final shout outs from you uh a couple more shout outs uh as usual i'd like to shout out to my boy uzi def jeff little swanee meech ron mack and finally my other cousin ron love those guys and in the immortal Gia. words of Shaquille O'Neal, rapper extraordinaire, booty rappers. Stay booty. Stay booty. Stay booty. <laughs> Stay booty. Together right now. <laughs>